Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, October 9th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. From roads to snow removal and taxes... This week, the mayor answers questions sent in by you, the listener. Next, we head stateside to get the latest on President Donald Trump's battle with the coronavirus and the uncertainty surrounding the next presidential debate, which was scheduled for next week. We speak with Jackson Prosco, Global's Washington Bureau Chief. Dylan Benoit is host of the popular Food Network show Firemasters. We catch up with the chef for a Thanksgiving recipe sure to spice up your long weekend, the Campfire Queso Fundido. And finally, it is a Thanksgiving tradition that aims to make a difference one step at a time. We get details on this weekend's Alzheimer's Awareness Walk. Yeah, absolutely get on. I think we, we have the mayor on the line now. This is great news. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, my brain was a bit on long weekend already, but I'm so happy to be able to chat with you this morning. We're in the same category. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, get down to some of the questions that have been sent in by listeners. Uh, but first, I'd like to talk about something that was announced this week, and that is Emergency Management Services Chief Tom Sampson announcing his retirement. Uh, you know, what a key part to the city over a number of years, Mayor. Yeah, he's a tr- he's a tremendous public servant. You know, just an extraordinary guy. Uh, I don't know how many folks know that he was a paramedic for a long time. When the paramedic service uh, moved over to Alberta Health Services, he stayed with the city, uh, helped us found Calgary Emergency Management. Uh, it's been so great to have him next to me. He's, you know, frankly, he delayed his retirement because we were in the middle of the pandemic. Um, but uh, we just wish him the very best and we're so deeply grateful to have had him for so long. Very, very true. You know what? We've got lots of questions. I'm just looking at the text line starting to light up. So let's throw these some some of these your way, and hopefully we can get as many answered as possible. This uh, first sure. question, Mr. Mayor, why are you spending millions on new police helicopters and reducing speeds on residential roads when we have out of control taxes and a stressed snow removal budget? I have no idea what those things have to do with one another. <laughs> <laughs> so the helicopters, uh, in fact, we stretched out the uh, the the. Uh, replacement of those helicopters for many years. They were supposed to have been done in, I think, 2012 and 2013, if memory serves. And the police have sort of been holding them together with rubber bands and duct tape uh, ever since. But this is actually very good budgeting because what you're doing is you're capitalizing operating expenditures. In other words, you're making a one-time payment uh, in order to get the new equipment to reduce the ongoing maintenance costs um, and keep that out of the budget, which is funded by your property taxes. I don't know what residential roads have to do with property taxes, absolutely nothing, but I will tell you that after the 2017 election, I brought together my colleagues and I said, you know, you guys have been out knocking on doors. Tell me what the key issues are. And unanimously, every single one of them, even the ones who are complaining about it now, every single one of them said the number one thing I heard on the doors was residential speeding and how much that bothers people. And particularly while people have been home during COVID, those complaints have gotten uh, even more so. Uh, this will not impact anybody's commute by more than a few seconds, uh, but it might keep the roads a little bit safer. And let's remember, just last week, a child was hit on a residential road in Arbor Lake and very seriously injured, uh, and that's what that's about. We have some uh, what about stress snow removal? There is no stress snow removal. That budget's totally fine. We have some more questions for you, but you have to take a quick break. Can you hold on for two minutes? More with Mayor Nod Denshi coming up in a second. It's 818 helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman, a community connected to its city. 
southbound approaching 50th Avenue southeast following a dump truck rollover, so the Barlow Trail will be your alternate route there. We've also got traffic signals still flashing red at 16th Avenue and 29th Street by the Foothills Hospital. Police on scene directing traffic there. Now until Wednesday, visit Shoppers Drug Mart for the bonus redemption event. To get more for your points, the Shoppers Drug Mart exclusive. Restrictions apply. Details in store. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. on the morning news. Uh, more with Mayor Nenshi. And Mayor, we've got uh, more than a handful of questions, so if we can go for a rapid-fire round All with right, you. lightning round it is. Are you ready for Okay, question for the mayor. Why are the city's leisure centers not open yet when other facilities around the city are open and successfully operating? Uh, the, the leisure centers in particular, just given the size and the scale of the operations, have been a little more difficult to figure out how to open uh, under the COVID protocols. It's been a little easier to open the smaller centers. Um, we did take advantage of the COVID um, time to do some renovations to the leisure centers, but it's something we're monitoring day to day. And I hope that we'll be able to get those back open as the weather turns. A uh, question from Jess here about garbage collection. Since the purpose of the seven-year pilot program is to save money, will the savings be passed on to the homeowner on their monthly NMAX bill? Uh, if there are savings, yes. Um, I will remind everyone that a study that we had an independent consultant do prior to council making that decision actually suggested that the savings would be lower than $500,000 a year, which would have no impact on anyone's bill. Okay, this one here says, uh, Dear Mr. Mayor, uh, is the city of Calgary doing anything to prevent big companies from leaving Calgary? I'm witnessing handfuls of them closing down over the next couple of months, all of them moving to Texas for a better business environment. Uh, What are we doing about that? Well, we're working hard with our partners in the provincial and federal governments uh, on making sure that we've got a great business environment here. Uh, A study by Moody's, if memory serves, or was it Mercer last year, showed that of 50 major urban areas uh, across North America, Calgary actually came in with the lowest cost of doing business. And if you know businesses that are planning on moving to Texas, I haven't heard of any, call my office and I'm happy to call the CEO. But ultimately, the provincial government are the ones with real power here. Okay, Mayor, as we look forward to uh, another municipal election coming up uh, next year, uh, will we be doing an electronic vote any time in the near future? No, we won't be doing an e-vote this time around, though you will see some changes uh, to the elections to make it easier to vote. Um, One day, I suspect, we'll get to e-vote, but we just don't think that the technology and the security uh, risks um, outweigh the benefits at this time. Okay, got one last one here. Uh Please tell the mayor now is not the time to drop $5 billion on the LRT. Maybe fix up some of the roads that when you're driving down, that feels like you're driving on a dried up mm-hmm. creek bed. That's from Dorn. Um, I have yet to drive on a dried up creek bed road. <laughs> you, don't, you, can't, you have no if comparison? You, if you have concerns, you should always call 311. But in fact, I think the roads crew did a fabulous job this summer. They also took advantage of COVID to do a bunch of road repair. Uh, Our road index remains one of the very best in North America. And of course, this is exactly the right time to make a big investment that is going to create 20,000 jobs and that is bringing $3 billion of investment from the provincial and federal government. Why in the world would you do it when costs are expensive and unemployment is low and it'll end up costing you way more instead of doing it at a time when people need the work and you can get the construction done for lower. So this is exactly the right time to do it. Uh, there'll always be naysayers, but sometimes you got to actually build the city. 
And wow, that's real lightning round. Today. That was. And <laughs> final qu- want- final question: Are you running in the next municipal election? See you in January. Um, <laughs> and I'll just say one other thing, which is, despite sort of the negative tone of a few of those questions, hey guys, it's Thanksgiving. Yes, it is, and we <laughs> and, uh, are we're talking about all things thankful. Or what are you thankful for? How Mayor? miserable this year has been. Uh, for so many of us, there's nowhere in the world that I would rather be. So this Thanksgiving, I'm deeply grateful that I get to live here. And, you know, I know it sounds trite, but I would really encourage people, you know, maybe even some of your colleagues on the station, at least for the weekend, let go of the anger machine, <laughs> turn it off, and spend some time thinking about how incredibly lucky we are to live in a place which, oh, by the way, has the lowest taxes in North America, or in Canada, rather, um, but also is the very best place to live in the world. And that's what I'm very thankful for. And hey, Sue and Andy, I'm thankful for you guys and the work you do every single day, keeping people informed. So thanks for that. And we're thankful for you joining us. Appreciate your time. Have a great long weekend. Thanksgiving long weekend. Take good care. Bye-bye. That is Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Seven oh nine on the morning news. It has been a busy week south of the border. That might be a bit of an understatement. The VP election, Trump's positive COVID-19 diagnosis, and his return to the White House with everything we need to know. We are joined by Washington Bureau Chief for Global News, Jackson Prosco. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning and happy Friday. Happy Friday to you and uh, happy long, hopefully you have a long weekend. Probably not. Since I do, I do. Oh, you do? You still? Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that uh, because I think you're going to need it. Um, it has been a busy week and I think the latest that I've heard is that uh, President Donald Trump is planning on hitting the campaign trail as early as tomorrow. Can you confirm that? Yeah, he says he would like to hold a rally in Florida as early as tomorrow if it can be arranged. Uh, I can tell you that anything I say right now will probably be out of date by the time we're done this conversation because <laughs> things are changing rapidly. Uh, I would say one thing that is not working in his favor, aside from the very obvious fact that, of course, he's still recovering from COVID-19, is that he gave a phone interview last night with Fox News, and he was coughing and uh, losing his voice a, a quite a bit during that interview. And you really have to wonder if he wants the optics of being up on stage in front of the crowds and the national press mm-hmm. in that kind of state. I mean, honestly, he's recovering from a very serious illness. And he, as you said, he is still contagious, too. Uh, potentially, yeah. We don't, you know, here's part of the problem. The The White House will not say yeah, when the I president right. last tested mm-hmm. negative. So we don't know when he actually contracted the virus. So we don't actually know where he is in the course of this virus. And we're left relying on the the White House to now test him, allegedly, and tell us that he's okay. With not having that... Uh information as far as that last negative test it was questionable what would happen with next week's week's debate the commission said going to be virtual trump said no so where do we stand right now will there be a debate and what would that look like next week as of right now, no debate scheduled. Uh, here's what happened. Not only did the president reject the idea of the virtual format, even though we should point out that it's been done before. In 1960, Kennedy Nixon, the third debate, one of them was in New York, one was in L.A. And if they could figure it out in 1960, I'm sure they could do it today. But the president said, thanks, but no thanks. And then Joe Biden went off and scheduled his own town hall with uh, ABC News that will be televised on that night. So it's, it's not going to happen uh, at this point. Uh, Trump had sort of suggested that maybe they move the second debate to the location of the third debate and then add a later third debate 
on the Friday, right before the election. Biden said no to that. Uh, I think it's an open question as to whether we'll get any more debates at all at this point. Uh, that second debate that is not happening, we should point out, was the town hall format, which is where everyday voters, everyday Americans mm-hmm. actually pose the questions to the candidates. And I think that's kind of an important format, right, in an yeah. election. It's not just about the two of them going back and forth. It's about hearing what real people think. Well, I guess we wait and see if if we get to see another presidential debate. But in the meantime, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, now with Trump saying he's just fine and he wants to go out on the campaign trail, she's questioning his fitness to even serve in the role as president of the United States. Yeah, you have to wonder a bit what the strategy is here. I think people are, you know, sort of coming to their own conclusions about the president and his fitness, and he's back substantially in the polls from Joe Biden at this point. Uh, but Pelosi is pressing ahead with this anyway, which, of course, Republicans are going to say, uh, you know, it's an attempt to, to essentially undertake a coup or seize power. Uh, in fairness, we should point out that the congressman who is proposing this legislation with Pelosi actually proposed this during the last session of Congress as well. So this is not a new idea. And essentially what they're saying is that There should be an independent commission that evaluates the health of any sitting president and makes judgment calls about when it's time to invoke the 25th Amendment, which is the transfer of power. So this is going to come across as being specific to Trump, and there are specific reasons to talk about this now. But they're saying there should be a broad thing that exists to evaluate the health of any president. And it was because of statements, uh, or a quote from Trump yesterday, may have been on that Fox interview yesterday uh, into the evening. Here's the exact quote. Uh, Donald Trump about his health and about returning to the White House. He said, I'm back because I am a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young. So I'm lucky in that way. Yeah. And he also put out a video yesterday where he said, I'm a senior citizen. Most people don't know that, but I am a senior citizen and a message to seniors. I mean, look, he's 74 years old. Joe Biden is 77, would be 78 if he wins the presidency by inauguration. So I think it's fair to have this conversation about any sitting president. Mm -hmm. Are they fit to serve? And how do you evaluate that on a rolling basis? I mean, you can understand Trump wanting to get back out on the campaign trail. He's, he's, you know, lower in the polls and we're just days away from an election. So you can understand it. But boy, especially at his age. He really does need to be trying to recover from this. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that as much as the president wants to get back out on the campaign trail, as I mentioned earlier, he has to be cautious about this, right? I mean, uh, the pandemic is the one issue, well, one of probably two, that the president does not want to talk about, does not want to draw attention to. And if somehow his health suffers on the campaign, or if he is visibly ill or short of breath, or doesn't do the standard 90-minute long rally, anything that gets people talking about, well, why are things different now, Mm -hmm. is not going to be good for him. So what, let's uh, switch gears just a bit and talk about Joe Biden with uh, 22 days. Oh, no, sorry, 25 days until November 3rd. Uh, what is uh, Biden's strategy and what sorts of things does he have on the go in the coming days? Yeah, so obviously he's uh, going to sort of continue along with the messaging that he's had uh, all along, which is sort of safe, strategic uh, campaign events. As I mentioned, he's going to do that televised town hall now. Uh, I think that the sort of biggest piece of controversy floating around Biden at this point is that he is refusing to address this issue of whether or not if he wins, he would stack the Supreme Court by increasing the number of justices on it. And he's refused to answer that question. Uh, Kamala Harris refused to answer yeah. that question during the debate as well. Uh, the Biden team is saying, look, if we answer that, that's going to become the dominant news story when the dominant news story should be uh, the president and Republicans rush to fill the current vacancy just days before the election. Uh, But I think the point is that there is some discomfort with the fact that he won't say either way whether he would increase the size of the court. And what does that exactly mean anyway, Jackson? 
Well, you have to remember that the court here is deeply politicized, right? And uh, essentially, if the Trump administration is successful in filling the vacancy left by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the court will tilt six to three uh, towards conservatives. And the fear, of course, is that that is going to reopen all sorts of issues like abortion access Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh, Gay marriage could be back on the docket. Uh, A a court could conceivably be called in to rule if there is a disputed election result as well. And the president sort of uh, intimates that, hey, he needs the court stacked in his favor to help him out if we get to that place. So I think you get the sense that uh, there is a fear that an overly political court is going to undermine uh, the the sort of wishes of perhaps uh, the next president, if the president and Congress are Democrats. Well, that's, uh, you know, I know you've been very busy. So again, I'm happy to hear that you have a long weekend ahead, Jackson. Thanks for your turkey time. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Canadian version. (laughs) That is Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. It's 717, helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains. Southeast closed for a rollover dump truck. So watch for that detour to take place around to Barlow Trail, which is moving fine in both directions. We've also still got traffic signals flashing in the northwest to 16th Avenue, 29th Street by the Foothills Hospital. And now until Wednesday, visit Shoppers Drug Mart for the bonus redemption event to get more free points. The Shoppers Drug Mart exclusive restrictions apply. Details in store. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. on the morning news and to help spice up your Thanksgiving weekend. We're very excited. We have uh, Chef Dylan Benoit. He's a very unique Canadian chef. He does things a little bit differently and you're going to know that by this recipe. Teamed up with Miller Lite, a Thanksgiving appy that if you're traveling to your family's house, you want to bring something to knock their socks off. um, I think this fits the bill. Good morning to you, Dylan. Good morning. How are you today? Good. This is called the Campfire Queso Fundido. It's uh, when everybody's zigging for Thanksgiving, you're zagging. Tell us how you came up with this idea. I mean, this is a dish that originally comes from Mexico, and uh, I discovered on my travels there years ago. It's essentially melted cheese with chorizo sauces. And when I partnered, yeah, it's delicious. One of those two things uh, isn't going to be good. And then when I partnered up with Miller Lite, we were talking about these recipes that would be great for doing outside, you know, in the fall by the campfire. And to me, this was a no-brainer to pair with that fantastic uh, pilgrim taste. What else? What should we? What else can we do if we're doing something at home and we're not a, a chef, Dylan Benoit, the, who, <laughs> who hosts the Food Network's Fire Masters program? What could we pair with this, or is this just a, an appy? Or can we make this part really a focal port, point of our, our Thanksgiving dinner? Do you think? I mean, absolutely. It makes a fantastic appetizer to share with uh, with friends and family before the main course if you're doing ham or you're doing turkey. Um, and it's uh, it's great with tortillas. You can have it with pita. Uh, you, can, you can really do it with anything um, that would pair well with cheese. And you're cooking with beer, which I always <laughs> applaud. Seems to me that it's only been over the past 10 years or so that it's become more on vogue to use beer in recipes. Is that the case? I would say so, yeah. It's... it's you know, people are starting to get more creative and more knowledgeable about various ingredients out there and thinking outside the box and using things that they may not have 
necessarily considered uh, to use in food previously. Obviously, wine is a no-brainer, right? Everybody cooks with wine. You can also cook with whiskey, you can cook with rum, and you can definitely cook with beer. Okay, tell us what is going to be served up at your Thanksgiving dinner this weekend, because a chef does it a little differently, I'm thinking, than the rest of us (laughs) peons. Well, one of the things I've always told people or, or anybody that would listen is if you're doing a turkey, you need to brine it. Highly, highly, highly recommend brining your turkey ahead of time. It's super easy to do. Brine is essentially a salt and sugar uh, mixture with water that you bring up to a boil and then and then shut it off and just let it chill. You can add aromatics in there like thyme and garlic, lemon, pepper, anything you want really. And then once it cools to room temperature, you put your turkey in for say 12 hours overnight in the refrigerator. And then when you take it out, you roast that turkey and it will be exponentially juicier, more flavorful than just a plain roasted turkey. Good stuff, Dylan. Thank you so much. Now we're super hungry. Yep. Thanks for that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks for your time and happy Thanksgiving to you. You're most welcome, guys. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. That is Dylan Benoit, Canadian chef chef and host of the Food Network's Firemasters. Again, he teamed up with Miller Lite. So you go to MillerLite.ca, and here's the only rub. You go down to the bottom where it says calendars. Mm -hmm. That's where you'll find the Campfire Queso Fundido Dip. It looks outstanding. Oh, yeah, it does. Grateful for each hand we hold. It's 8.50 now, and it is a Thanksgiving tradition in Calgary. And though this year it's gone virtual, the Alzheimer Run and Walk is a go for Sunday morning. Joining us to talk about her experience with Alzheimer's is a friend of mine, Tracy Burton. Hi, Trace. Morning, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's difficult, but it's, you know, it's something that so many people experience right now. And you, like so many other people, have been touched by this terrible disease. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom? Uh, I can, yes. My mom was diagnosed about five years ago, although we saw the signs coming. But she was officially uh, diagnosed five years ago. And from that day forward, I decided it was probably a good idea to uh, gather our family and friends and do the walk. And the walk turned out to be... It's, it's a good thing. People are excited about it every year. We we gather and we have fun. And normally we would go out and have a lunch and a drink after. But this year it's virtual, so we're going to do that a little bit differently. And does your mom join you? My mom normally does. She told me this week that she thinks it's going to be a little too cold for her this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tracy, uh, it's unfortunate uh, that uh, you know people should be taking part in this because in some way, shape, or form, people are touched by Alzheimer's. My grandma died about a week and a half ago, and she suffered oh, for, for years. And uh, to, to actually bring my children to see their great-grandmother, it was, it was troubling and it was difficult, uh, but it's a fact of life, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's super difficult. I mean, you can go and visit mom, and um, she can certainly tell you how bad I was in high school, but she cannot (laughs) remember what she had to watch. It's very strange um, and sad because they turn into people that we don't really know. I'm always curious, does does your mom know she has Alzheimer's? Does she understand that concept? She does. She she does. Uh, My mom's in a place kind of in the mid-zone. They go by levels. Um, She still does her daily activities. but she, yeah, she knows. She knows. She doesn't talk about it. She does uh, the odd time. We'll say, well, you know, my my mind isn't what it used to be. 
I can understand the awareness portion and the getting involved uh, to recognize this on, on Sunday. Uh, but uh, raising funds, how does that work? And is it uh, not too late to raise funds for this cause? Oh, absolutely not. No, I, I believe you can do that uh, right through the year, but we donate, we sign up and donate for the walk. And then, of course, you try to hit up as many friends as you can. And um, you can easily just go online and donate at any point in time. Why is it so important every year that, that you do get out and you walk and usually with your mom, but just really with friends and family and do this Alzheimer walk? Well, it, it because it has hit so close to home for us and um, and it's it's important for us and for many other families just to get out there and raise the awareness and the funds because they do need it. It's a virtual walk, but it's a walk no less on Sunday. Thanks for joining us, Trace. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. That is Tracy Burton. And uh, if you want to get more information, IGAlzheimerWalkRun.ca.